Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Chandansya Nantasya Shirogarnanti Dangstrayama Sneha Kaladvijani Ha Sojanon Mada Karicha Maya Duranta Sargo Yadapanga Moksha They say that the Vedic hymns are the cerebral passage of the Lord and his jaws of teeth Ayama, God of Death, who punishes the sinners. The art of affection is his set of teeth. And the most alluring, illusory material energy is his smile. This great ocean of material creation is but the casting of his glance over us. Purport According to Vedic assertion, this material creation is the result of the Lord's casting a glance over the material energy which is described herein as the most alluring, illusory energy. The conditioned souls who are allured by such materialism should know that the material temporary creation is simply an imitation of the reality and that those who are captivated by such alluring glances of the Lord are put under the direction of the controller of sinners called Yamaraj. The Lord smiles affectionately displaying his teeth. The intelligent person who can grasp these truths about the Lord becomes a soul fully surrendered unto him. Srila Prabhupada begins this purport by uh, as a follow-on to the previous purport. Prabhupada states, according to Vedic assertion, in a previous purport, Srila Prabhupada has stated that common sense is always imperfect, whereas the description in the Shastras is always perfect and complete. Srila Prabhupada is writing this in relationship to the description of the universal form in which the sun is sometimes described as the mm, the eye of the Lord and sometimes as the out, as outer space. And what to speak of that, the whole description of the universal form, it sounds not very commonsensical. To the person with, who is grounded in common sense, this sounds like nonsense. Memories. It just brought a memory to my mind of the... When we first received the fifth canto of Bhagavatam, we're distributing them in London with descriptions of the universe, according to Vyasadeva. And one came back to our 
to Radha Landanishwar's temple in Berry Place, famous temple in the history of Iskon, came through the post box with, came back again. Someone went to the trouble of coming from Oxford Street, presumably they got there, walked all the way to Berry Place, put it through the letterbox, it's a thick one, wide one, uh, with some literary embellishments of his own, not very literary, more like scribbling all over the places, all over the parts which he didn't like, which is most of the book. It was an anonymous comment on his opinion of the Srimad Bhagavatam's description of the universe. It doesn't tally, doesn't seem to tally when we first read it, with that of common sense, or rather that which the scientists, the scientists, that's a term you can throw whoever you like in there, whoever fits the bill, if the shoe fits, wear it. The scientists tell us various things about the universe which are supposed to be according to common sense. And we should believe that and not believe the Bhagavatam, which doesn't sound very sensible. At the uh, center of the universe is Mount Meru, which is an upside-down mountain, for instance. And the sun is going on a chariot on a big range of mountains which surrounds the whole universe, Lokalok mountains. The sun comes in a chariot. And when you see in the, in the early morning, Udila Aruna Puraba Bhagi, you see early in the morning there's Arun, the reddish light in the sky. That is Arun, that's the charioteer. Of the sun, in the chariot, there should be a chariot driver, and his name is Arun, and that's the red light which you see before the sun rises. That's Arun, because before the passenger in the chariot comes, the sun, there comes the chariot driver, right? That makes sense. The driver comes first. So it doesn't seem to make much sense. However, Common sense is always imperfect, whereas the description in the Shastras is always perfect and complete. This may seem like fanaticism, that we should believe this and not believe, for instance, that... What was their name? Buzz Aldrin and com- company? Do oh. <laughs> you have any Americans here? Glenn Armstrong? Neil. Neil Armstrong. I thought that was a singer. No? That's Neil something else. Anyway, sorry, I'm not very good at modern American history. I have to make some excuse. So anyway, someone, (laughs) Neil Armstrong, landed on the moon and jumped around a little bit and came back. And that was one great step, wait, wait a minute, one small step for a man and one great step for mankind. And they didn't make any more steps since then, for some reason or other. (laughs) You're all laughing? (laughs) Prabhupada was 
insistent that they didn't go to the moon. Doesn't seem to make sense what Prabhupada said, but Prabhupada would always insist that the Shastric description is correct. Before they went to the moon, or before the time that they were said to have gone to the moon, there's an interview with Srila Prabhupada in San Francisco, I think, and the interviewer was saying that, well, you're saying they can't, what do you think of the, the, the moonshot? It's coming up. It's, you know, it's going to be one small step for man and one great step for mankind. What do you think? And Prabhupada said, they can't go, they're not going to go because you can't go. And the, the reporter, the TV man, whatever it was, said, that, well, what if they do go? Won't that cause a lot of one that caused your disciples faith in you to break that you're saying that they they won't go to the moon because they can't go to the moon because according to the Shastra description the moon is further away than the sun and anyway you have no eligibility to enter there that is uh, that is presided over by the demigods and you'll get kicked back like Trishanku or anyone else who, or Ravana who tries to go by some other method except the what is that? That Chaividya uh, Soma. What is that in Bhagavad Gita? It's mentioned that following the three Vedas and drink, drinking the Soma Ras. And so one can go by the Vedic method, not by any other method. You'll get thrown back. So what will happen to the faith of your disciples? Because you're stating this as a tenet of Shastra, that they can't go and their faith is in your word, what will happen if they do go? And he was convinced that they are going to go. It's going to happen very soon. Prabhupada said, well, they can't go. And he said, well, what if they do go? And they can't go. And what if they do go? And they can't go. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But what if, in anyway, despite your saying they do go, but they won't go? <laughs> and it went on like this. And then they went. <laughs> and we saw it on TV, at least those who bothered to stay up in the middle of the night in England, where this little worm sitting up here was in a little boy's body at that time, those who bothered to stay up to watch that small step for man and that great step for mankind, they could see the small step for man live from the moon. Great triumph of modern technology. So it appears to be common sense that they went to the moon and the sun doesn't go on a chariot and the moon is closer than the sun and there isn't a lo uh, an ocean of ghee or sugarcane juice or booze or any such things. It appears to be sensible to believe that which our explorers, cosmologists, etc., have presented to us as reality. And it appears to be simply fanatical to accept what is stated in Shastra. So, what are we doing here? 
we're all fanatics. Or another line is that we can accept what is in Shastra, the spiritual part, but not the material part. That's another way. That's one way of accommodating the information in Shastra which doesn't fit with common sense. Of course, then we have to see which part of the Srimad Bhagavatam is material, because according to the Srimad Bhagavatam itself, according to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Srimad Bhagavatam is fully spiritual. According to Padma Purana, it's all the body of the Lord. There's nothing material here. It is revealed by the Supreme Lord, and it is non-different from Him. So, if you're going to say a material part of the Srimad Bhagavatam, we might get in trouble there, because even though there are descriptions of the material world, it's all in relationship with Krishna. And every verse, Pratishloke, prat, hmm, what is that? Mm-hmm. No, 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 that's uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that. Uh, Krishna Tula Bhagavat Bibhu Sabra Shroi Pratishloke Prati Akare. Nana Artha Khoi, he said that Srimad Bhagavatam is the same as Krishna. As Krishna is all powerful and can give shelter to all. So similarly, Srimad Bhagavatam and every verse and every syllable has various meanings. It can be understood in various ways, although the Core meaning of every shloka is Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's voice, Srila Jiva Goswami, has ascertained. So, if we say that we'll accept the spiritual part and not the material part, that means we'll accept it all as material. That is Mayavad. Mayavad to say that is to say that all is one. And in this way, to convert spiritual into material, but because we have no clear concept of spiritual, that means actually we convert the, the, the uh, that which is spiritual. No, so the Mayavadis, they want to say the material is spiritual, but by doing so, they convert the spiritual to material, because they don't know what spiritual is. Spiritual means in relationship to Krishna. But they say everything is the in relation to maya. Maya is the principle of reality. Maya is reality. Of course, they say sarvam kalvidam brahma, brahma satyam jagan mithya. But then they say that every this this world is brahma. This world is re, it's everything is brahma. So this world is also brahma. Not differentiating between the Lord and His energies and the interrelationship between them. So, how to understand this? That in the spiritual world, in the, not, not even in the spiritual world, in the heavenly planets, more unusual things. We have rivers of mango juice. They're such big mangoes, they fall down and <coughs> mangoes burst. And it comes out, mango juice. Rivers, flowing rivers of mango juice in the heavenly planets. 
That's another description which we don't find in our telescopes. And we probably never will. Now how are we to understand? Well, Prabhupada states here, common sense is always imperfect. Whereas the description in the Shastras is always perfect and complete. That's from the verse read yesterday. And the alluring, in today's verse, alluring illusory material energy is his smile. The art of affection is his set of teeth. Here the word used for teeth is dvijani. Dvija means tooth. Never heard that one before? Dvija means brahmana, twice born. Brahmana, kshatriya vaisha. So twice born, not only brahmanas are twice born, but teeth also. Right? What else? Birds, they're also called dvija. They have two births also. So, another word used here, moksha, generally that means liberation. Here it means casting over. So, the illusory energy, most alluring, appears, means that which appears to be real, but which is not. It appears to be real. But reality is Krishna. So this whole material setup runs on the basis of appearing to be real, but which isn't. It's a prison. And the... the The trapping principle, or the, the the principle of by which we're tied up, we don't appear to be in prison. We appear to be free, but the principle by which we are tied up is the principle of desiring to enjoy separately from Krishna. And Krishna gives a Disneyland for us to attempt to enjoy. And we appear to be free. I'm free. I can do what I like with this illusory idea. We should have freedom. We should fight for our freedom. And there's no freedom. The sun isn't free. Massive planet. The, 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 all, the, all the planets are moving under the order of Govinda. And we think we are free. We can do what we like. There's no freedom. But this illusory energy, it appears as if we are controlling. That is Maya. Ishvara Hamma Hambhogi. I am the controller. I am the enjoyer. It's set up in such a way that this appears to be reality that I am controlling, I am enjoying. We don't see the relationship with Krishna. There's nothing unreal in the whole material manifestation. But the non-reality is our perception of it as being a place for me to enjoy. And this allure, this the smile of the teeth, the affection, the illusory affection of the, of this material world, but those teeth, they're also for chewing up. 
we find in Bhagavad Gita that all the warriors are entering into the teeth of the universal form and being chewed up. So we are attracted by the the smile, by the affection of this material world. In this material world, affection means that I take someone's good wishes and exploit that for my own enjoyment. Whereas in spiritual existence means, as Prabhupada writes here in the purport, to become a soul fully surrendered unto Krishna, that one becomes an instrument for Krishna's enjoyment. So that's just this difference, this where and how to place our affection. If our affection is for Krishna without any conditions, that we, we've so foolishly placed conditions, even if we are to approach God, we'll, we'll have some conditions. You give me this, I'll offer you a flower. They have also. So there are so many temples. You go, you get your wish, you do some vratta, and then you get your wish fulfilled, then you have to go back and do something else. And as, as a, after your vrat's fulfilled. So there are some business dealings. But this is, this is maya the most alluring, illusory energy by which we think we we could and we should enjoy this material world. And God is our partner in crime. He helps us with our exploitation. As Prabhupada described, the, the householder is praying, Dear God, please protect and the thief is also praying, Dear God, please help me to do my job properly. So, God is perplexed what to do. <laughs> They're both praying. Please help, please keep the thief away and please help me to steal very nicely. So, the honest householder, he's also a thief. That, Dear God, you. You protect my property very nicely so that I can enjoy it. And I'll, I'll give you a little something. <laughs> the thief is also praying, I'll give you something. We'll give you something. We'll offer you some householder. Chop off his head and offer the blood. <coughs> there used to be here in Bengal. You know this English word, thug? It comes from tuggy. That's one kind of set of shaktas, worshippers of Kali. Who, they were gang. They used to Highway robbers, they used to catch people and offer them to Kali, having stripped them of all the gold and whatever else they might be having. It was a religious act, since Hinduism is all-encompassing. So this uh, illusory idea that we can enjoy this material world causes us to perceive everything incorrectly, and therefore what we call common sense is not at all sensible. Just like it's very common in the history of religion, not only in the modern Hare Krishna movement, that some person, often a young person, will want to dedicate their life fully to the religious life and their parents and relatives being possessed of vast reserves of common sense 
do everything in their power to stop this happening. It even happened with Raghunath Das Goswami. The, usually the common sense means, give them a wife, quick, so that they become sensible and forget all this idea of dedicating their life to God. It's all, You can be religious, that's okay, but not too much. This was Raghunath Das Goswami's parents' idea. Yes, we're also, we, we support the brahmanas and we're, we're good, pious people, but that's enough, not too much. So common sense dictates that we should not pursue an, a goal that is doubtful anyway. This dedicate your whole life to understand God and who knows if there is one anyway. Why don't we do something commonly known as sensible, like building a factory or sweeping the floor in a factory and leaving a normal, decent life. As was stated by Dale Carnegie, that it's better to produce underpants and do something practical for the people of the world than become a religious fanatic. I'm paraphrasing. Now what is this common sense? Common sense is that which leads to Yamaraj, the god of death who punishes the sinners, the jaws of the teeth of the universal form are yama. The common sense means you know, that which keeps us in the humdrum, run-of-the-mill way of life. There's, we can say there's no risk there. It's ordinary life. But the risk, if we are to accept the version of the transcendentalists, is spoiling the opportunity to develop our potential to the fullest extent. If what is stated by all transcendentalists is true, then common sense stinks. It's keeping us bound up in a way of life which is not for our actual not in our actual interest. By common sense, we perceive this world in a certain way. It is the field of my enjoyment. And from these verses, with Srila Prabhupada's illumination, we can understand that the material world appears the way that it does, according to common sense vision, to sustain the common sense of the common people, so that their sense, their, their sense of forgetting Krishna, which they call common sense, may be sustained birth after birth. So the way we perceive the universe, that is the perception which is awarded to us due to our common sense of forgetting Krishna. 
So in this material world, it is actually uncommon to be sensible in the true sense of the word. But that sense is being given by Srimad Bhagavatam, which challenges the common sense of common people. Not only in the modern age. It's not only that... Uh, it's not just that people started looking through telescopes a few years ago, and then they uh, then they discovered the movements of the planets and so many things. But at at any time in history, the statements of Srimad Bhagavatam are horrifying or anathema to the commonly sensible people of this world. It's not that atheism is something new. There are direct hardcore atheism is there in what we might call the Vedic age also. There's covered atheism is there, Mayavad. But, uh, or no, not only Mayavad, all these Sankhya philosophy, they all pretend to believe in some kind of God, but it all comes down to atheism. But direct, full-fledged Anabashed atheism is also there in Charvak, who says, Bhasmi Bhutasya Dehasya Kingpuna Agamano Bhavit. That why bother about anything? Anyway, you're going to die, and when you die, it's all over. Just everything just turns into ashes. So enjoy yourself now while you can. Eat ghee. That's his idea of enjoying. Vinankritva, Kritampibit. Yavat jivat sukham jivat. As long as you live, live happily. Eat ghee. That's Charvak's philosophy. Enjoy life. So Charvak doesn't give a damn about the descriptions in the Srimad Bhagavatam because he's too busy enjoying ghee if he can get it. Because it seems he didn't have a good supply. He's recommending borrow it. Somehow or other get it. Doesn't seem to be a very wealthy atheist. But he is, uh, to him, philosophy, even though he's propounding some kind of philosophy, his philosophy is not concerned with any higher truth than that which the animals also have, which is to enjoy the senses. So, to Charvak, he is quite satisfied with the descriptions of the universe, or of anything as far as we can perceive it with our senses, because that's the platform he's on. So, to sensory perception, as we... sensory perception from this planet with these two eyes, two ears, two nostrils, tongue, skin, these are the gyanendriyas, the senses for receiving knowledge, the descriptions in the Bhagavatam appear not to make any sense. There's no... Uh, we, we have no uh, experience of an ocean of what to speak of yogurt or milk or booze. We have no experience of even an ocean of clear water. That's one of the oceans. According to our modern scientists... The salt is required in the water, otherwise it would all go slimy and you'd have too much spirulina in it. And it would 
it, it would not be the way it should be to sustain life on this planet as we know it. And what to speak of an ocean of milk? Is it homogenized? <laughs> Refrigerated? Otherwise it should rot, shouldn't it? And what about the ocean of liquor? That means there should have been an ocean of grape juice or something previously to convert it into liquor. In India it's mostly not grape juice. There's all different kinds. Rice, rice liquor. That's the most common around here, if anyone's interested. <laughs> Date gore, they all, yeah. Well, that, yeah. But I mean, the actual commercially produced in the villages, it's, it's rice liquor. Dangerous stuff. Not recommended. <laughs> Even for, for anyone with common sense, because you might go blind or die. So it is a challenge to the com is challenge to common sense that these things can exist. So what happened to Vyasadeva? Is he a is he a fool or you just in in between these uh, highly philosophical descriptions and all of a sudden he's inserting wildly imaginative descriptions. Vyasadeva gives information which is hmm, what's that word? Uh, praman what's the word? It's uh, verifiable by modern science. There's much information that Vyasadeva gives. For instance, the development of the embryo in the womb, as described in the third canto of Bhagavatam, fits with modern gynecological research, which is supposed to be modern knowledge, just coming up in the last, I don't know, maybe since they made x-rays and zapped the babies in the womb with x-rays and gave them cancer. So that's modern knowledge, but it's there in the Bhagavatam also. So Vyasadeva is giving highly scientific knowledge, but then all of a sudden you have people with ten heads and someone with four arms, and then he changes it to two arms, according to his will, and so on, and on, and on, and on. There are many things which defy common sense. This is a God's eye view of the universe, and we are seeing through our ant's eye. We are tiny little beings on a tiny little planet, in we don't even know where we are. Although we may say we're in some galaxy or whatever, but we don't really know where we are. Now, our ability to see 
is limited and our in intelligence to process what we see, that's also limited. And it's also colored by our, our perceptions are colored or biased by our desire to enjoy everything and control everything. Therefore, the universe is manifested to us in a certain way. Our ability to perceive. The ant can also perceive. He's, he may be in the same room as us. But due to having senses that are in some ways less developed than ours, although in other ways the ant's senses are more developed than ours, because if there was a grain of sugar on the other side of the room, now if we blow that up proportionately, we, our ability to find that, you put, drop a grain of sugar, come back in three minutes, there'll be ants all around it. How? So their, their sensory ability is in some sense more developed than ours. But in other ways is less developed. So even though they see this room, they, they don't see it in the same way that we do. They can't perceive the, the movements of human beings within the room. It's, it's too big for them to understand. Although they can perceive it, they, they, they might see or more likely they'll feel the vibration of footsteps on the floor. But their uh, ability to see in the way that we see is not possible because we're too big and too close. You c one's vision depends on various factors. One's, one's positioning is very important. You can, just like if people are moving around on the street, you can see their movements much better from three stories up above them than you can from being right down among them, isn't it? You can see how the people are moving or how the traffic is moving. And if you're very small like an ant, even though you can be in the same place, you, you, won't be able, you won't be able to see even at the level of a human being who's moving at floor level. So this God's eye view of the universe, that we accept, those who are followers of Srimad Bhagavatam. The ant's eye view, that even though we're here, we can't see it properly, we can't perceive it properly. And our perception is also covered by our desire to enjoy. Therefore, we are granted a certain vision. And we have great faith in that vision because we are akshavadis, empiricists. We believe in what we see. Although the Vedic method is to believe what we hear. Hearing comes from See by hearing. That's true. Not only of God, we cannot see Him by our eyes, but even the universe, everything, we, we have to hear to understand. If we hear from those who believe in seeing, then we will perceive the universe in a different way if we hear from those who believe in hearing from the higher source. That is the Vedic method. 
to hear, understanding that our our uh, vision, our perception by vi- or by any sense, is imperfect and incomplete and liable to be highly mistaken. That's true of the dham also. People that we think we, what shall we come and see? We should, how shall we see the dham? Just see by see by hearing. Even you may not you go here, there, see this, see that, but by hearing, we can understand. Otherwise, we just see well, just a, just a few trees. What's going on here? But by hearing, we can understand that. Hearing means hearing with faith, that everything is transcendental. Everything here is transcendental. So by by hearing that and accepting that, we can begin to perceive it. So the ordinary person, they come to the... Of course, anyone who comes to the Dham is benefited. And as much as they are fortunate, they can perceive the spiritual... They can begin to perceive the spiritual nature of the Dham. But to... Uh, but to materialistic people, they may come to the dham to enjoy prostitutes. It's been stopped now, I heard, but there used to be, be brothel in Mayapur. So people hear about it. Oh, that's good. I'll tell my wife I'm going on a pilgrimage. And uh, so you get what you want. And the devotees, they move in the world to purify the perverted desires of people with the common sense of not wanting to surrender to Krishna. To give them information of what they should actually want. In the modern age there's the idea that, well, everyone should just be free to pursue whatever they want. But the Vedic system is First of all, you have to tell people what they should want because they don't know what they want. It's just like you train a child. He doesn't know, he doesn't know how to desire properly. If you, if you allow a child to indulge in his desires, then he'll never grow to be a human, to be a man because he'll have poisoned himself and killed himself long before. Isn't it? They'll drink bleach and chew broken glass and They don't know how to desire. So they perceive broken glass as being something nice to chew. So in the same way, materialistic people, they don't know what is in their actual, what is actually for this in their self-interest. And then by perceiving the universe as the field of activities for their own sense enjoyment, even though they appear to be acquiring knowledge and acquiring the means to control the universe, they are simply mm, making progress towards their yet again going to the place of Yamaraj. So this is the important point which Prabhupada and all the Acharyas, especially in the modern age, they make again and again and again, that this common sense which has been so much promoted, that empiric 
empirically derived knowledge or scientific knowledge. This is sense. That no, it's not sense. It can never be correct. Never. However, however much you investigate and however much you get Nobel Prizes, it's always going to be incorrect because it's under the aegis of the illusory energy whose job is to keep everyone in illusion. So it's guaranteed to be illusion. Even though it may appear to be real to other persons who are in illusion, it appears to be real. But it's all illusory. <laughs> and even the scientists are just about beginning to admit that after about a hundred years of, of being bewildered by the by their science no longer appearing to make any sense. Some of them are beginning to admit it and are beginning to look towards the transcendental beginning. It's very difficult for them, but beginning to. So this uh, Vedic knowledge, science, this is actual scientific knowledge. Science means vigyan, visheshagyan. That is given in Shastra, especially Srimad Bhagavatam. It's not that the descriptions of Srimad Bhagavatam of the material universe are incorrect. They are fully correct. But if we perceive, we should understand that if we perceive them as incorrect, then our perception is incorrect. Just like we, we might perceive the sun as being how far away? 300 meters? It's difficult to imagine a body even being 300 miles away. Isn't it? If we weren't told that it was 93 million or whatever miles away, then we probably wouldn't, we wouldn't guess that. When we're told that, we say, oh, okay, we believe. We don't know how to so-called prove it. But we believe it. It's not common sense, but it's what we're told. So the devotees, they accept what is given in Shastra. The Shastra very sensibly describes how this material world is a place of suffering and repeated death. And understanding that the Shastra gives this vital knowledge, this most important knowledge. And we understand that those who are compiling the Shastras, or those who are giving the Shastras, they have got this highest, most important perception. So they should understand what's going on. For all their space rockets and test tubes, the mundaners have missed this most important point about the material world, that it is a place of suffering. And they all their endeavors are to try to make it a place of enjoyment, which is impossible. So that those who have come to this higher platform of understanding that this material world is a place of suffering, 
they can understand that all the endeavors of materialistic pe people, they're simply endeavors in the darkness of ignorance. Even though they call it knowledge, we're increasing the borders of knowledge, expanding the, the borders, but it's all endeavors in ignorance. It's all the endeavor is how to make this material world a better place. For what? You won't live to sit. Well, for the future. So, so what? <laughs> for future generations. Well, why? Why bother? If everything, pasmi bhutasya dehasya, if it all just ends in ashes, why endeavor? Why should you endeavor to make it a so-called better place? So, there, everything they do is born from ignorance. Whereas everything the givers of the Shastras do, that is born from the platform of knowledge that this we do not belong to this material world. There is a spiritual world. So on that, not only there is a spiritual world, but they give information of that, how to attain to that. So knowledge in Shastra, though it may appear not to be common sense, it is based on the most sensible principle. Anything outside of this principle means that we simply waste our lives. So this sensible principle of understanding this material world to be completely miserable. We don't belong here. We belong to Krishna, who's given this knowledge, which may seem fantastic to us, but it is it's almost like a challenge to our sense of common sense. What do we want to believe? We want to believe Krishna, the Asadev, the Acharyas, or we want to believe those who have no faith in, no regard for Krishna, Shastra, Vyasadev, Acharyas. So this is the highly challenging sermon. Common sense is always imperfect, whereas the description in the Shastras is always perfect and complete. It may seem to be fanaticism, it's based on faith. But then the, the statements of the commonsensical people is also based on faith. They have faith that we say, well, we can see it. And they, they presume that to be reality, what they can see, what they can measure. So that's also just faith. We say, well, we can see it, we can perceive it, but the, the, that means you, you have faith in your perceptions, which just leads you, you don't know what the goal of life is, or there is any goal of life, except trying to live in this material world more happily, which is a proven failure in every case. So... Ultimately, it comes to faith. The, the, some people believe in Shastra and some people believe in what they can perceive or what others tell them that they perceive. We also, we don't perceive the sun being 93 million miles away. We don't perceive practically anything that the scientists tell us, but we believe them because they tell us that they perceive it. They, they've calculated it. So it may seem like fanaticism because it's different to that which most people in the world believe, but it's, it's a different belief, that's all. 
Shadhamayo yam purusha. Everyone has some kind of faith. We are not all knowing. Bhagavan is all knowing. We don't know everything. We have to accept almost everything on faith. So it's a question where we place our faith, that's all. It could be a lot more said about this, but I probably said too much for the given time. As it is, what is the time? No, there's no. 9.17. Well, there's no clock on here. All right, Hare Krishna. Any questions, comments? Protests. Um, I would be very interested to hear you speak about pratyaksha in terms of the spiritual direct perception. What is the nature of it? What is the nature of spiritual pratyaksha? Bliss. Direct experience of Krishna. Every sense is overwhelmed by Krishna. Hearing the sound of Krishna's flute, tasting the taste of Krishna's lips, if you're so lucky to be kissed by Krishna, seeing the form of Krishna, then philosophy, there's no philosophy there. That's already the result of all philosophy is there. Pratyakshavagamam dharmyam Susukam Kartamabhyayam. Yes, please. I'm just interested. What does Krishna do when the thief is praying? When teeth is what? When the thief is praying, let me steal, and the household is praying, don't let him steal. Well, you'll have to ask Krishna. <laughs> it depends. Then Krishna does his calculations. Who to reward? Depends. Everyone gets what they deserve. Do I think? I don't accept that question. <laughs> Do I think? I try to think in the way that Prabhupada taught us to think. As for my own opinion, it's as useless as yours or anyone else's. Would I say? Ah, yeah. Do the demigods in the higher planets perceive the universe as it's described in Srimad Bhagavatam? Do I think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are part of the Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> 